Good afternoon, and welcome to the Middle East Forum's webinar and podcast series, Israel Insider with Ashley Perry. I'm Stacey Roman, and I will be moderating this discussion today. We're pleased to have Mr. Ashley Perry, advisor to the Middle East Forum's Israel office, join us here each Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern to update us on all the events going on in Israel. Mr. Perry will be giving us a briefing on current Israeli affairs for 15 minutes and open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen to type your question. Now, I'll turn the discussion over to Mr. Ashley Perry. Thank you very much, Stacey, and good evening from Israel. Um, there's only really one place to start today, and that is the arrival of uh, U.S. President Joe Biden. He arrived uh, this afternoon, I know, because I was stuck in traffic. They closed the main artery, the main road uh, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem around the airport. And uh, uh, the interesting thing about this visit is because there's really not expected to be anything dramatic come out of it, most Israelis are bothered more about the, uh, the, the traffic uh, issues in the next couple of days during President Biden's visit than perhaps anything specific in the meeting. And, and that's really um, the bottom line is that uh, whereas other presidents have come and gone, you know, and, and major things have happened. This uh, maybe after, you know, uh, the last visit of President Trump and, and, and the previous uh, administration with the recognition of Jerusalem, moving the embassy, recognition of Golan and things like that. There's even a sort of, and, and then don't forget the Abraham Accords, there's, there's almost, there was almost an expectation something big was going to happen. A lot of speculation that, uh, President Biden, if not when he was in Israel, if when he travels from here on Friday to Saudi Arabia, some move towards normalization uh, with Saudi Arabia. Uh, but the fact is that that's not going to happen, certainly not on this trip and certainly not uh, in the very near future, at least. Um, President Biden gave uh, an exclusive interview uh, to a well-known reporter just before his visit, and he said that uh, that will take a long time. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that there won't be uh, what could best be described as baby steps. You know, at the moment, um, you know, it, we saw that Israelis can fly uh, from, uh, from Israel uh, to the United Arab Emirates uh, over Saudi territory, and now Israeli airlines can do so. And in fact, there's even been some Israelis in the kingdom recently. Uh, things are definitely moving in a positive direction, but it's clear that nothing uh, you know, will, will be released at this point. The main focus of this trip really, though, is in the Saudi arena. And this trip partly is about oil, is about energy resources. And because of what's happening uh, with Russia, the fact that Europe and much of the West are trying to get off uh, Russian energy, they have to look for other sources. Uh, don't forget at the beginning of the Biden regime, or even during the uh, the campaign, the election campaign, he promised not to kowtow to, I think he used the word dictators or autocrats, and don't forget there was the murder of um, uh, Saudi journalist Khash uh, which was blamed specifically on the leadership uh, senior high-level circles um, around MBS uh, by the Biden administration, so the temperature and at least the atmosphere between the US and Saudi Arabia was, was, was pretty difficult, certainly in a stark uh, distinction to uh, President Trump's uh, attitude to Saudi Arabia and its allies. Uh, but now the whole situation has changed because of the Russian 
invasion of Ukraine because there's a need for uh, energy resources, especially with the rising price of gas around the world. And don't forget, President Biden is going into midterms uh, very soon, and the polls are not necessarily looking good there. So he needs to be able to uh, deal with the energy crisis. And as we know, much of that can be dealt with uh, in the region. So there's been a bit of a, I, I don't know if I'd say 180, but certainly a large turnaround, a U-turn um, on this issue. And that's, that's a big part of uh, the trip here. He's not going to make the same mistake as President Obama did uh, and visit the region without coming to Israel. So uh, this trip does have a lot of symbolism but not that much content. Uh, interestingly, that when uh, President Biden landed, a lot of, uh, there was quite a lot of ceremonial events happened, uh, took place at the airport. Uh, President uh, Herzog spoke, Prime Minister Lapid spoke, both of them mentioning Iran specifically uh, and the need for a regional deterrence, a regional defense system. Uh, and I think it was uh, President Herzog, a, a global, effort to stop Iran, Iran's nuclear um, efforts and you know, uh, support for terrorism in the region. Um, President Biden, on the other hand, did not mention Iran, which uh, is notable by its absence. Um, there's a question, there's going to be a, a press conference, I believe, tomorrow uh, with Prime Minister Lapid. So whether President Biden, I'm sure he'll be asked about it and probably uh, he will repeat what he gave in the interview that, you know, he does believe in a return to the JCPOA. He believes that it was a mistake by President Trump to leave the JCPOA, the Iran nuclear deal. Um, but uh, if it's dependent on um, the declassification of the Iranian Revolutionary Guards from the uh, US State Department terrorist list, then that's a non-starter. That's what he said in the interview. Um, but he believes that an agreement is the way to stop uh, Iran from getting nuclear weapons. And interestingly, I, I believe, maybe someone can correct me, that uh, for the first time he did say that the military option, the, mil uh, the option, uh, you know, the, the, the possibility of using uh, military means to prevent uh, an Iranian uh, nuclear weapon, which is something that President Obama and President Trump did uh, talk about relatively frequently. He said it is on the table, but it's a last resort. Um, a lot of Israelis will be pleased to hear that because that's something that we have not heard, again, to the best of my knowledge, from President uh, Biden. So even the fact that it is on the table, even as a last resort, is, will certainly be music to many uh, Israeli ears. Uh, when he landed also, he was given uh, a bit of a tour of some of Israel's defensive capability, whether it's the new laser, uh, whether it's Iron Dome. Uh, President Biden did talk about the fact that he helped push through funding, a billion dollar funding, uh, to replenish Israel's Iron Dome after its uh, last uh, war with Hamas in, in, in Gaza. So a lot of it uh, is expected over the last, uh, next couple of days. He visited Yad Vashem, of course, as every, pretty much every foreign leader will do. Uh, and there was a lot of symbolism uh, he spoke about how the Holocaust as a child was important to him, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, a lot of symbolism, uh, but perhaps not as much content as Israel uh, would like. On the Palestinian issue, he is, of course, going to meet with um, Palestinian leader Mahmoud Abbas in Bethlehem. That's certainly 
or relatively unusual. It will not be taking in Ramallah, which is the seat of the Palestinian administration. Uh, there was a worry that he, if he was in Ramallah, um, it would it would maybe offend people if he didn't go to the uh, the grave uh, of Yasser Arafat and lay a wreath there. Um, Bethlehem is a little bit more neutral territory, and as a, a strong Christian, President Biden can push that angle that he wanted to visit uh, Bethlehem, uh, specifically that the Palestinians are not happy. They're not happy that a lot of their demands about reopening a consulate in Jerusalem for them, about reopening the PLO office in Washington and other things are not being met. There were, uh, the Americans did ask Israel to make a series of gestures towards the Palestinians in the days prior and Prime Minister Lapid uh, did do uh, some things they did allow uh, for the official documentation of thousands of Palestinians who are living in the West Bank and Gaza. Uh, they did times by a, a thousand the amount of Gazans who can travel into Israel uh, to work. They did allow for certain building for Palestinians in Area C. As we know, that's the area in Judea and Samaria, West Bank, which is under full Israeli control, and a few other gestures. They're not massive gestures. Uh, if you look at them in, in context. Um, but there was a need, at least from the American side, there was a, there was a, a need uh, to at least give something towards the Palestinians. A, a, another major issue, which is certainly jumped on by uh, the Israeli political right, is the fact that certain um, approvals for Israeli building over the Green Line have been pushed off. Uh, if we remember um, when President Biden was Vice President Biden under Obama, when he visited the region, there was what uh, some Israelis felt at the time was an embarrassing move to give the okay, the approval for uh, Israeli uh, a, a new neighborhood, an Israeli neighborhood over the Green Line, and that caused a massive uh, ticking off uh, of uh, Israeli officials at the time. They had to walk back. They had to, and this was under Prime Minister Netanyahu. They had to promise they would do that sort of thing again. And there was an hour conversation, if, if I remember correctly, Hillary Clinton, who was the Secretary of State at the time, gave Netanyahu a one hour telling off and, and there was all sorts of measures taken. So they wanted to be very careful, make sure that there were no approvals in or around uh, the time that President Biden is in Israel or even in the region. Uh, they'll probably put that off until uh, he returns. Uh, speaking of Israeli politics for just the last few uh, moments before uh, we go to questions, uh, this week we saw, really, I would argue, the culmination of where Israeli politics has been going. You know, for many years, Israel, like many countries of the world, had an ideological divide, left-right, uh, and much of it was seen as uh, how you relate to a uh, Palestinian entity. Do you support a two-state solution? Do you support Israel building over the Green Line? Uh, these are the things that divided left or right. Uh, in recent years, pretty much because the Palestinian issue has largely been taken off the table because the Palestinians seem to have no great interest or will or ability to come to the table. So it's been pushed into the background, but still many parties still define themselves according to those criteria. The economic issues um, are less, uh, I would say, de uh, definitive here as they are in uh, many uh, other Western countries because of these larger issues. Uh, but what we did see this week is remarkably a left of center party joining with uh, what could be described as a hard right party. You know, a party, uh, we're talking here about Benny Gantz's blue and white, decided to join forces with Gidon Saar's 
uh, right-wing New Hope Party. Now, New Hope Party is basically populated by people almost to a man or woman uh, who are against the Palestinian state. Certainly the majority in the party are against any source of Palestinian state at any point, at any time. Whereas Benny Gantz is a left of center party, uh, is solidly pro two-state solution, not necessarily pushing it now because uh, almost none, no party in Israel is pushing that because as I said, it's off the agenda. But here we have uh, Benny Gantz, who's a, as defense minister has visited with Mahmoud, uh, with Mahmoud Abbas, uh, the Palestinian president, and has certainly taken a lot of, uh, you know, uh, rhetorically and, and uh, on the ground, taken a lot of uh, uh, um, uh, conciliatory uh, steps and speech towards the Palestinians. To, to my mind and to many Israelis, this, this is sort of remarkable and to an even extent the end of these terms, the left to right. It's not the end because people still use them. But the fact that these two parties can sit comfortably together, go to the voters, basically not, uh, not being able to find a common platform, basically saying, you know, our, our objective here is unity. Our objective here is to uh, form the basis or the foundation of the next government, perhaps even to uh, keep um, former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu away from a return to the uh, premiership. That basically, you know, it, 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 it's got to a point where is politics ideological in Israel anymore, or is it just about joining uh, for the sake of political power, for the sake of uh, positions, for the sake of keeping others out? Um, we also have uh, negotiations at this moment, less ideological, uh, between the Amina party of Eilat Sheked, you know, uh, formerly led by uh, former Prime Minister Naftali Bennett, negotiating with um, what was a break, uh, a, a breakaway uh, part of New Hope, that they were left out of this deal, a little bit of, of revenge from Benny Gantz, Joas uh, Hendel, uh, Minister of Communications and Srika Hauser. And the reason also here, there's very little ideological differences, especially on the Palestinian issue. Um, but what is going to be interesting to see if they can come together, because one of the major sticking points at this point is, well, Shaked will not rule out sitting with uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu. And we spoke about that in recent weeks, that that could be the key to achieving his 61 plus. Um, Hendel and Hauser, both of whom worked very closely at very senior positions within uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu's administration, uh, even, in his, in, even in his office, they will not sit with him. They refuse to sit with him. So, you know, here we have an issue, not necessarily ideological, but on whether they would go into a Netanyahu government. So it remains to be seen what happens there, but certainly uh, we're seeing partnerships being built. And by the way, uh, Yamina is in serious problem. They're not passing the threshold. With Shaked at the helm at the moment, they're not even expected to get more than 1%. With Hendel and Hauser, I, I believe I saw a poll that says 2.5%. You need 3.25% to pass the threshold. And that could be extremely crucial because if they do not pass the threshold, according to the recent polls, Netanyahu gets his 61 if they do pass the threshold and merits pass the threshold in all the parties, then perhaps uh, Netanyahu doesn't get a 61 without Shaked. So it's still really teetering on the brink. A lot of different opinions in Israel. 
over whether Netanyahu is going to return or not. I've heard really lots of people say there's absolutely no chance he will not achieve what he wants. He will not be back and this will be his last chance. And other people, and I tend to sit a little bit more in this camp, that believes Netanyahu will get his 61 at least, and he will be returning to Balfour. But again, we've got many, many months. It remains to be seen who the players are, what the parties are, who's partnering with who, and what the campaign issues, which we will find out uh, over the next few months. And with that, I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you so much. Uh, so the first question we have is from a not an anonymous attendee. Will President Biden be addressing the problems and issues of climate change, global warming, and sustainability during his trip? Um, I, I haven't heard too much about that. There was an agreement that was released just before President Biden uh, came talking about US-Israel strategic partnership. One of the issues that they're going to look ahead to is the issue of uh, climate change and how they can deal with it and look ahead to see uh, ways to deal with it together uh, bilaterally. Um, but, you know, if, if a question is asked, but uh, uh, and, and I believe that that agreement was signed uh, in conjunction with the Environment Ministry here in Israel, um, I'm, it could be that it's going to be brought up behind closed doors. Secretary of State Blinken is here as well, and he held a meeting with Prime Minister Lapid uh, earlier on. Um, it could be that it's going to be brought up. There's a lot of having been in these type of meetings, you know, so these meetings, you know, there could be several of them, they could be an hour or more long. So sometimes there's a sort of shopping list of things that just need to be brought up just to make a point of, you know, they were asked by uh, someone uh, relevant to that particular issue <coughs> to be raised. So they could well be raised, but certainly they're, they're not a focal uh, point of this trip uh, from either side. Thank you. And you did touch on this earlier, but Rabbi Joel Schwartzman asks, are Israeli leaders putting credence in the new agreement that the U.S. and Israel will act to prevent Iran from achieving nuclear weapons? Well, there's no, there's no agreement per se, as in sort of a signed declaration. I think there's an understanding. There's, it's a longstanding uh, agreement going back many administrations that uh, they'll work together. Uh, they certainly have their disagreements. At the moment, the Americans uh, are very keen to get back to the JCPOA, and President Biden himself said so. He believes that's the best way to uh, prevent uh, an Iranian nuclear weapon. Israel has other thoughts. It doesn't believe that agreement, especially the agreement that's been talked about, is strong enough, is robust enough, is longstanding enough with the sunset clause. Um, so there's disagreements about how to do it, but certainly both countries for many, many years, many administrations uh, have said that they, you know, it's, it's a longstanding agreement and a commitment to prevent uh, Iran from uh, gaining uh, nuclear weapons. Thank you. David Levine asked, Danny Danone said earlier this week that Biden's scheduled visit to a U.S. consulate in Jerusalem to meet with Abbas, as opposed to meeting him in Ramallah, is a mistake that would not have happened if Israel had a more seasoned prime minister at this time. Could you comment? Well, the only meeting uh, that's going to take place between President Biden and uh, Palestinian leader Mahmoud Abbas is going to take place in Bethlehem, so I'm not quite sure what was being referred to. Uh, President Biden, probably one of the more controversial things he's going to do is he's going to visit a hospital in East Jerusalem. And as we know, East Jerusalem is under uh, Israel sovereignty. Israel has 
place sovereignty over all parts of Jerusalem. And this is within, uh, but it is considered a Palestinian hospital. So that's a bit of a nod uh, to the Palestinians. Again, the Palestinians are not happy with anything. And if you really look at all that's being done from the Israeli side, from the American side, it's certainly unsatisfactory from the Palestinian side. There's no major gesture there. Um, and Mahmoud Abbas meeting uh, President Biden within uh, Jerusalem boundaries would certainly not be acceptable to Israel. It wouldn't happen under any administration. And don't forget, um, you know, uh, uh, Prime Minister Lapid has been foreign minister now for a year. He's been in the Israeli government before. I, I don't, I don't buy this uh, idea that he's he's an amateur of, of, of some description. He's got a very strong team around him. Uh, there are many people who worked, you know, politically under uh, Prime Minister Bennett, and also from a professional point of view. Don't forget, there's a whole Prime Minister's office, a National Security Council, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, who are there regardless of who's Prime Minister and will give the same advice regardless of who's prime minister. So I don't know exactly what's being referred to. To the best of my knowledge, the only meeting that's going to take place is in uh, Bethlehem, uh, which again uh, is more, I think, about American sensitivities uh, than Israeli. Thank you. Uh, Martha Cohen asks, did the Biden administration ask for any goodwill efforts to be made by the Palestinian? authority before Biden's visit, and a follow-up to that, what is the Israeli government's view of Jake Sullivan? Um, the gestures on the Palestinian side, um, not really. Um, they, you know, there's, there's ongoing uh, sort of stuff, you know, about trying to crack down on terror, et cetera, et cetera. One could argue whether there's success in that or not. Um, there's no particular gestures that I'm aware of. Um, they are trying, the Palestinians will certainly try and quell any demonstrations on their side during President Biden's visit. There are expected to be demonstrations within Ramallah and certainly Palestinian media has not been sympathetic uh, towards President Biden. They, they don't like him and they, the sort of caricatures and the headlines that, uh, that I've seen uh, show their displeasure. Uh, certainly, you know, while there are uh, Israeli, uh, uh, Israelis, especially on the right wing, who are unhappy about some of the gestures or some of the things that are happening around uh, the Biden uh, trip. It's certainly not, there's nothing big that Israel is really giving away, let's say, or compromising on this. Um, so I think at the end of the day, um, you know, as I said, that, that there's, there's no major steps taking place uh, on this visit, not towards the Palestinians, not by the Palestinians, not really by Israel. Though. There was talk of uh, some further gestures that Israel rejected about discussing the status quo in Jerusalem um, and condemning violence on all sides. Israel found, again, that this is, this is reported, that uh, uh, it was asked that Israel and the Palestinians condemn violence on all sides, and Israel rejected that, saying that there's no uh, equality between you know, uh, Palestinian violence and so-called Israel uh, violence. So, um, uh, certainly, Israel didn't roll over and agree to everything that uh, uh, the Americans would have liked. The Americans would still like to open or reopen their consulate in Jerusalem, and there's still nothing moving on that. Israel is still standing very firm on that issue. Uh, so, as I said, the, the gestures which Israel has made are, I would say, relatively minimal, uh, and I'm not aware of any major 
concessions or even any minimal concessions that the Palestinians uh, were or are making. Thank you. Carrie uh, Hillebrand asks, is it known if Gadi Eisenkot will be joining any of the party lists for the upcoming election? If so, how may that impact the election? Well, that's an interesting question because at the moment it seems like he's deciding between this new blue and white uh, new hope list or Yeshatid. Uh, the blue and white, uh, most, most polls have not shown a major bump. Uh, Gadik Eisenkot is relatively well liked, but I, I'm not sure that he's a game changer for any particular party. And even, you know, if there is going to be a bump, it probably won't last. Don't forget, you know, he's a, he's a former chief of staff you know, Benny Gantz, the leader of Blue and White, is also a chief of staff, a former ITF chief of staff. Uh, perhaps Yeshatid could use him a little bit more to bolster their security uh, credentials because they're led by someone who doesn't have those, you know, uh, army ITF high-ranking security uh, credentials. But again, it probably will mean just a seat moving one between the other. If he goes Yeshatid, maybe one seat uh, in Blue and White and, and the other way around. Um, the thing which uh, Yeshatid are probably most worried about is, and, and I, per I, I personally don't think it's something to be worried about, is if Eisenkot goes to the Blue and White New Hope list, uh, it puts them within touching distance of Yeshatid uh, to make them the largest party in their block, which could perhaps change the mathematics, um, uh, you know, should the elections uh, uh, come out and Blue and White will either be larger than Yeshatid or perhaps within touching distance, uh, but perhaps more able to form a government, perhaps that could change the president's decision <coughs> who to give um, the right to form a government should Netanyahu, which will be the leader undoubtedly of the largest party, fail to do so. I personally don't think that will happen. I think Yeshatid will still be the largest uh, party within the left-wing bloc. Um, but uh, uh, Gadi Eisenkot is apparently still making up his mind. Uh, it seems the most likely he'll go to blue and white. It seems, again, it all depends who gives him a better deal. It could be that he'll want to come with other people and he'll want to make sure that they get uh, a nice place on the list. Uh, where he'll sit on the list as well is, is also important. Don't forget now, Gidon size number two on that new list, whereas perhaps he could put uh, a, a, a uh, Lapid could make him number two. So uh, we'll see in the days ahead. I personally don't think it's a game changer. I don't think it will ch uh, change the mathematics of the whole thing, but uh, some Israelis are waiting for him to make that decision. <coughs> Understood. Thank you. Uh, Larry Dunn asks, what party will Yamina voters go to? Will Bayat Yehudi run on their own this time? There is no Bayat UD um, at the moment. That officially, the party exists, but uh, to the best of my knowledge, they have no. Uh, there's no intention for them to run uh, independently. Yamina voters again. If it's just Ayelet Shaked, we're talking about a very very small amount. Um, when Bennett, at the last poll that I saw, which actually did look into this question, when when they, when uh, Naftali Bennett was gaining four seats, they said one will go to Gantz, one will go to Lieberman, I believe one to New Hope, uh, and I can't remember where the other one, but sort of all of them in the current government, um, uh, and not necessarily uh, to Likud or 
the religious Zionist party. Thank you. Stephen Orlo asked, has the fact the World Zionist Organization has just decided to finance the connection of the outposts in Judea and Samaria to water and electric sources, has this been commented upon by the Biden administration or political segments in Israel? I don't know what, what the question is referring to. The WZO doesn't usually deal with those issues. That's a government decision. Um, and there's long been talk about that. That's something that Ayelet uh, Shaked uh, is very much in favor of doing, and obviously the right wing opposition. Um, and much of that, by the way, has been done. Um, I don't know whether WCO comes into the story, but uh, it could be a story I just, I, I'm not following closely enough. Makes sense. All right. And Anthony Field. Uh... Who would be Israel's preferred choice for the new UK prime minister? That's a good question. I, I don't think I, I haven't heard anything about that. And I'm sure if anyone did have an opinion, they're certainly keeping that uh, one to themselves. They know Israeli figure would come out. Um, I did read somewhere, I know it's now been narrowed down to four or six, but I did read somewhere that one of the major candidates, not necessarily the leader, uh, leading candidates had a history of pro-Iran activity and relatively anti-Israel activity. I can't remember his name uh, offhand. Maybe Anthony Field will uh, be able to give that name. Uh, so I'm sure uh, if what I've read is true, I'm sure Israel will be worried uh, at, at that person uh, getting it. But you won't hear any Israeli leaders uh, speak publicly about uh, an election race in another country. Thank you. And finally, an anonymous attendee asks, what is the best media or other source you would recommend to follow in close to real time President Biden's visit to Israel? Um, I mean, the Jerusalem Post is great. Times of Israel is great. Um, pretty much, uh, you know, those are the two major uh, publications here, uh, and they're updating regularly. Uh, there was even there's the, the, the government press office has a link if you want to go to the GPO website, I think it's gpo.gov.il. Uh, they did have a live link uh, to, the, to the landing of Air Force One and to the ceremonies. Um, I'm not sure, but they may well have a live link to the press conference uh, for those journalists who couldn't be in attendance because I believe there are hundreds of journalists in the country now to, uh, to cover it. Um, so probably those are the websites that I would recommend. All right. Well, thank you so much. We've come to the close of our webinar and podcast. Ashley, thank you again for taking time to update us this week. Absolutely. For our viewers and listeners, please join us Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern for a webinar with Yasmin Mohammed discussing leaving Islam behind, becoming Canadian. Thank you all for joining us, and I hope you have a wonderful day.